Welcome to Moment Talk. I'm your host, Shi Samoa, and joining us, my Tao, my co-host. Our guest is a father, a husband. He got his degree in bachelor's and master's in linguistics from CSU Fresno. After graduating, he's been working there for 20 years. He is an outreach counselor at CSU Fresno. A lot of the listeners on here know him as a singer because I grew up listening to his iconic song. Just to name a few, I'm in love, Okutu, and Belisa. It's been slightly over a decade, but three years ago, he came back to make a song dedicated to his son. It's called Game Boy Shaw. Let's all welcome him, Pong Yang from Paradise Band. But first, let's thank our sponsors. Today's sponsor is brought to you by She Sells Menwear. Are you looking for the latest trendy men's fashion? Look no further. She Sells Menswear carries handcrafted bow ties, ties, suit accessories, and everyday streetwear. They're your one-stop, mall-inspired men's shop. You can search them online at www.xixomenswear.com. Now let's get back to the show. We are super excited. It's a beautiful day here. Me and my good old co-host Maya is on. Guess who? A legendary boy band, Pong. Yang, Pong, how's it going, man? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Wonderful. Awesome. And it's Pong from Paradise, the wonderful, famous Paradise band. And if you were born in the 90s, you definitely know who he is. Well, that's a pleasure to be here and talking to two of you. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. I am just seeing Better Lisa on top of my lungs right now. It was <laughs> karaoke tonight. <laughs> Oh, that brings memories for sure. <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about that. And in, in this first half, we're going to talk about your career path. Uh, but more importantly, I wanted to say is, Pong, can you tell the, the audience and the listener one thing we do not know about you? Well, one thing you may not know about me is that uh, I grew up in three different continents. So maybe you knew that I spoke French, but you didn't know that I grew up in three different continents. Actually, I was born in Asia, <laughs> I was raised in Europe, and then, and then now I'm here in the United States. How long did you live in Europe, Pong? I lived there for a period of almost 10 years. Oh, wow, okay. So you're really fluent in French. That was come almost my, uh, <clears throat> my primary language, if, if you wanna say it, yep. Mm, okay. You've been married for about 20 years, 25 years. Uh, with your beautiful wife Misty and kids and uh, daughter and son, you have a beautiful family. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's been a wonderful journey. Some of your music is iconic and, you know, I grew up, especially me and my, we're in the 90s kids. We definitely grew up listening to uh, your song. And some of them that comes off of my head is just like, I'm in love, uh, shooting star, or, or Kuluka, uh, I mean, just to name a few, you know, and it just rose atop of my tongue. What made you inspired to write those kind of songs? What, please elaborate on that. Well, I, I, you know, during that time, uh, I think that we, we were young. I mean, we were college kids and a lot of our influence at that time came from being a college student. I think, you know, the time where you fall in love, the time where you find your, uh, you have your first romance, 
uh, the time when you, you know, you get your heartaches and things like that. And I think a lot of that came from that. So that's what you could tell from our lyrics is that they're very, very much love oriented. And, and, you know, it, it's, it symbolizes what kids go through. I mean, I, I look at my own kids today and they go through the same thing, just a different time of, uh, you know, different generation. But, you know, I see myself in them going through college, having that college experience, having, you know, going, growing into young adults and going through a relationship. And, you know, they go through the same experience. They might express it in a different way, but at that time, for me, it was really expressing it through the, the, the art of music. So that's the inspiration, yeah. I see, and that's why, like, for example, your song, Like a Shooting Star, that was your daughter, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah, we waited a long time, you know, to... I mean, uh, to have kids, I mean, we, we were married and we didn't have kids until almost four or five years after. And then we have our first, uh, our first uh, born was a, was a boy. And then, you know, our second came a year later and then it was Grace and she was, she was a beautiful girl. And, you know, I just felt that I, I, I have that soft side in me, of course, for, for, for our daughter, <laughs> most, most dads do. And when she came, I was like, man, she was so beautiful. I had to write something for, to, to, you know, almost memorialize that, that experience for me. With that being said, your songs are about your experience, your own personal passion or, or, or yourself in your experience. And that also brings the latest song that was launched about, say, 17 years now, Game Bo Shua, and that was about your son too, right? Yes, yes. I wrote one for um, my son, Ryan, who graduated from high school at that time. And, you know, I think as, as a father, you... you there are a lot of things, lots of things that you do for your kids, uh, but I wanted to leave him something that you know it's really from me, from from my heart to to encourage him, to give him that that sense of uh, uh, feeling that he will become somebody and that he is somebody to me, and and that he's gonna he can accomplish anything he wants in in life. So that I wanted to give him something that could last through the ages. Yeah. So I think for me, it's it's music because especially with social media now. You can always go back and listen to it. <laughs> it only right. how did your, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. How did your how did your daughter and your son influence you or inspire you to write those songs, Pong? I think it's so um, very memorable and loving and inspiring to always hear parents uh, leave a something behind for the kids. You know, in your sense is through music. Did your kids, are your kids aware of how famous you are in the mom community as far as music goes? And how did that, how did they inspire you, influence you to even write those music and dedicate to them? Well, those are really good questions, actually. I, I, uh, my kids, I think they just see me as dad first. You know, they don't see me as a celebrity, although sometimes when you run into people and they'll, they'll, they're giving me the eye like, what? What are those people? <laughs> Why are they always that want to get close to you and take pictures with you? <laughs> Come on, dad. You know you you're not that cool. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, I'm always gonna be dad first. Uh, but you know they grew up with me around music. Uh, they sacrificed a lot, or, or they you know we sacrificed them for for my love of music initially because they grew up and during that time was when Paradise was really uh, moving up in 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 the industry, and our time was consumed with the music. I mean, every single weekend, every night was writing music and playing music. And the kids really suffered. I thought, you know, that time. Now I look back, it's like, you know, was I being too selfish? Uh, all the birthdays were scheduled around my band practices, you know. So, so they are 
of the fabrics of who I am. I think they, they made me into the man I am uh, or the father that I am. And that's why for me, I am not too much of a, uh, you know, some people are really good at giving uh, lecture or, or advices to their kids to become great adults, individuals. And I'm not really good at that. Actually, what I, I use is more of lyrics and poetry. And uh, I believe that, you know, one song can make a big difference to, to anyone because when, depending on the, the situation that you're in, it could mean something different to everyone. So although I'm writing it for my kids, I'm hoping that hope other people are listening to it and it has a different meaning for them. But they have been instrumental in, in my life. And, and, you know, when I think about my kids is I wouldn't be any, anything without them. And especially, you know, we have only three kids. So I, I see them growing up too fast and I'm seeing them almost escaping from, from me as, as a dad. And, you know, I want, I want to remember those moments. So the music is for me, it's not just for them, it's by when I listen to the same song, like two, three years down the line, I go, wow, I still remember that feeling I had when my son graduated or when my daughter was born. I, I knew exactly how I felt at that time. Well, that's beautiful. I love what you just said. You said they're the fabric of your life. That's definitely like a tweet, tweet moment. So thank you for that. I will show that on Facebook, actually. I'll be like, it's from Pong, Paradise Band. <laughs> I, I love it, man. I love it. So again, your song again, you know, with um, a shooting star for your daughter and game boy show with your son. And you wrote a song on when you and your wife met and got married, too. And yes. But now here's the, here's, here's the real question I was going to ask you. So, Pong, who's the mistress? Better Lisa. <laughs> 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 Misty's gonna be pissed. Do tell what, who's who's better, Lisa, bro. <laughs> well, she actually is nobody, but yeah, we have <laughs> name that really fits the song. <laughs> so you know, I, I it was a combination. You know, we I, I think it was like we're trying to incorporate as much of my our cultural background as possible, and and uh, you know, someone by background is French, so Belle is definitely the French part, and Lisa. I think at that time, I don't know why, because Lisa used to seem to be a, a I don't know, like a, a really popular name during the, <laughs> the, the early 90s. So we're like, wow. Well, I would agree. Yeah, right? I mean, I just yeah. heard a lot around a lot. So I mean, not like this is recorded. We don't know who Lisa's your mistress. It's none of my business. It's not recorded at all, right? <laughs> I, I, assure, I assure you and everyone that there's none. There's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how did your band come together anyway, Paul? I mean, was it just, you, did you just go and pick anybody? off the streets or at church or at school or were you guys like friends that came together well i think a little bit of both is uh it started as as a best friends and families for sure my, my myself one of my best friends in high school and then my uh my brothers came in and then out of that you know it was like uh people who knew people. So it's actually band members who knew other family members. So it was always, our, our connection has always been the family. We, we came from the family, uh, from forming the band, band through being family or being relatives. And I think that's why we stuck around so long because we, I mean, once your family, you can't go anywhere else. Right. <laughs> We're gonna do right. a weekend, just see each other. So might as well play music. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's awesome though. Yeah. That's, that's cool because, you know, sometimes as musicians, as we grow up, uh, you, I see bands out there and then they, they, they come around and then a couple of years down the line, they, no, they are no longer together. 
and it's unfortunate, but uh, as, as families is that you, you can always have your disagreements and you could have, you, you, as musicians, sometimes we don't see eye to eye because we have different styles and different, you know, influences. But in the end, you know, you're still family. So you, you, you come to some sort of a, a consensus and you meet in the middle. Yeah, that's true. Did you guys write the Game uh, Shuo, your last, uh, your recent, your latest song together too? Or was that something that was solely you? It was uh, mostly me. I mean, of course, the, the musicians had an influence on it because they right. played music. Uh, I wrote the song and uh, I brought them in and they did the comp- uh, compositions. They, they, they did the arrangements. So it was, it was the teamwork. Yeah, but that, that is a new paradise, of course, because we, we've gone through many, many members or many renditions of the band. And that was the latest version of Paradise. That's cool. Awesome. And I do I notice it. like there's a change in your style too. Like we were talking about before, you guys were known as you know a very romantic. There was mellow, a mellow tones to it. But the last song, Game Boy Shua, I noticed there was a little bit of a alternative rock. It's it, a good well, twist. Yes, it, it was uh, like you do with what you have in terms of because like, we have different influences and we. Of course, I mean, it's been like 14 years since we wrote our last song. Really? Right? Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah, so 14 oh years, goodness. that was Shooting Stars, right? So shooting Star, and then the Game Boy Show came like 14 years later. And a lot of things change in life. You know, your, your influence changes. Your, the way that you perceive music changes. Not necessarily that the old paradise was bad. It's just that a lot of things happen. And just like anything, just like clothes change and car changes. Oh. And so music change. And so, you know, it doesn't mean that I still don't, I don't have what we used to have before. It's just that for that particular song, I specifically uh, wanted that genre because one is my kid, my son, he likes that kind of style. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I want to write something that he'd want to listen to, not like, you know, hip hop or other things or, you know, boy, <laughs> boy band type of things because they're not into that kind of stuff. So it, it, yeah, it has, it has a, its own uh, strategy, I want to say. I think that's beautiful. I think it's uh, just, it's, it's, it's so telling that music, it evolves just like everything else. And music is really, it's really a universal language that speaks to anybody, whoever, whoever it is that you're writing this song to, no matter the style, no matter what generation. So that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I was, I hope that, you know, nowadays that our audience or our uh, listeners are paying attention a lot more to, you know, more of the messages and the lyrics, uh, besides the style, you know, the style is good, but I also, I want them to absorb the. So Pong, you know, when you were starting paradise and such, I mean, what, why, and what made you describe to pursue in that career as such that at that age in the, in the music industry? Well, it was accidental. I think it wasn't so much something that was planned. It was that it was a cool thing to do. I mean, during that time, you had you had really really popular bands out there. I mean, and I, I've seen many of them perform. You know, if I mention some names, people might not remember or might not know them because maybe there's not their generation. But you know, you have big bands like uh, Gangova, well, from the East Coast, right? Really, really oh, yeah. love them, I, love them. Yeah, love them, love their music, and they're still iconic for me. Uh, you have bands like uh, Tongli, California band, right? You have Tuli Baku, of course, really big icon, even especially yeah. in Europe. I mean, that Tuli Baku was for me was like a, back in France was my idea of what Hmong music should be eventually. Very modern for for that time in the 80s. 
So when I came here, I just saw all these bands and, you know, things that I felt that, wow, you know, these guys are really good, you know, and, and like, then you have Voltage that came right before us, right? And they were like super popular. I went to their concerts and that, during that time, they were called parties, but you know, whatever it is, they were still performing live. And I just like, man, I, I wish I could be like that one day, <laughs> but, but with no, with no training or background in music at all. I didn't even know I could play, I could sing, I could do anything. Uh, so it was more accidental. You know, it was high school, senior year, and one of my buddies and I was like, okay, you know what? Let's learn to play guitar. You know, <laughs> okay, guitar? All right, why the guitar? Okay, and I just picked up my first guitar, and from there, the band started. So it was accidental, but, but definitely the love was there, for sure. The passion for music was there. Were you surprised at all at how it blew up? Uh, yes, because I never knew that it could become paradise. It didn't start, it didn't start as a band. It started as two individuals just messing around with some guitars and some chords. That's it. Trying to kill time. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. What has been the best performance of your career so far? The best performance of my career? In, um, hmm. That's a tough question because I think every concert that we've done, there's at least one memorable, uh, memorable experience in the concert. Uh, but I want to say the best one, maybe the one that I remember the most, should would have been the one that we did in um, Wisconsin, and it was during Labor Day. I believe that for that particular event was the. We, we actually, first of all, what we did in the Brown Arena, which was like a massive place, right? I think that place hold, holds almost like 7,000 people or something like that. It was the biggest place that we played at. And it was the biggest arena for sure for us. And it was packed, that place. It was packed. That was a year that I was like, wow. So more people can sell out a show. And it could be massive, you know? And so it definitely left like uh, something for me to remember. I was like, okay, you know, Hmong music can go somewhere if, you know, at the, if the right combination of things happen. So, yep. What year was that? It was most, it was pro around maybe two years before, three years before we actually uh, left the music scene. So it would have been around 20, uh, 2002. Yeah, maybe around 2000, 2000, between 2000, around 2002, I want to say. Okay. I just can't believe it's been that long. Wow. It's, it's been very long. <laughs> and I remember actually during that event, we, I, you know what I remember is that we celebrated my, my birthday. That, because, you know, the, the event in, in Wisconsin, actually, Labor Day is that, well, is, there, is that the Labor Day weekend? Yeah. Well, it was, it was the September festival that they have there. Oh, yes. Yep. We have it every year in September, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where we perform. And, and my birthday is right at the beginning of the, the September. So we, they even sing happy birthday. Like the whole five, 6,000 people sing happy birthday to me on stage at that time. <laughs> that's how I remember it. <laughs> wow. That's going to be really, really cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Lastly, I wanted to ask you as a, a pioneer, a beginner of a boy band, what do you see of today's industry in the music and the mall music industry? Well, I see that within my lifetime, I will see a Hmong artist breakthrough to mainstream. That's how I see music. 
in the 80s and 90s, that would not have been conceivable. But nowadays, with the reach that our music can have through the type of media that we have, I mean, just like what you're doing right now, is that it's going to allow some of our artists to be really, really exposed to uh, other people, not just in the U.S., but also worldwide. And, and I think that within my lifetime, I'm going to see uh, a, at least one individual who is going to break it through to the mainstream. And I think that's going to be uh, the ep epitome of me as an artist. Uh, I mean, I want to see that before my days are gone. I, I hope I see that. <laughs> And I think we will. I think we definitely will. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Yes. Yeah. For, for you young listeners or who are musicians that are upcoming or is doing it, well, you have your prayers from, from Palm himself. Uh, and, and you have my full support. That's your the full most, support too. Yeah. Let's, let's fast forward to 2020 now. You got your uh, bachelor and your master's in linguistics from Fresno State. You went to school there and now you work for Fresno State as a counselor and then now into a outreach administrator now mm -hmm. and let's fast forward to this, to this day i mean you've been married for what 25 years now a beautiful wife mm -hmm. 25. let's talk about your career now as a teacher i mean why did you just pursue what was the turning point why not just continue music and now you are a well you are as an outreach administrator uh, well, I chose my career because somebody made a difference in my life. I think that most people, if you ask them about why they chose to do what they do, it's because they probably had an experience that was life-changing. For me, it was in high school, coming out of high school, not knowing what to do, first generation, parents just farming in Fresno and not being able to you know, provide guidance to the kids. As somebody actually who is not even Asian and said, Hey, you want to go to college? And I said, yes, uh, my, my parents want me to go to college. Of course, they don't want me, they don't want me to farm. They want me to go to college. Uh, but I have no idea. I didn't, I didn't even fill out an application. And I was a senior already. And he took the time. He was, he was my counselor, my guidance counselor. And he just filled out the application for Fresno state. I didn't even know it. He said, I already filled out the application for you. You're just going to go the fall. I go, wow, Fresno State, where's that? And he goes, well, yeah, it's down the street, you know? <laughs> well, that's how I ended up there. And, and from that point on, my life changed. And, and on top of that, Fresno State gave me everything I have in my life. I mean, I met my wife there. I got my degrees there. Uh, I got my, you know, then I ended up going, giving back by working for Fresno State. And all my, both of my kids are going to Fresno State right now. So it's become almost like a tradition. I want to say Fresno State is, for us, we, we, are, we have legacy with the campus. And that's why you know, I want to you know, spend the rest of my career there if I can, for sure, and giving back. And I want to be that, that point of contact or that difference maker in case. I mean, you can't always be the person who makes a difference in everybody's life. But sometimes there's that one person who comes to you and they have nowhere else to turn. And what right. you do could make that difference for them. And I want to be that if that time comes. So that's why I mean, I'm doing what I do. Well, I think it's so important to stress that, Palm, because I think a lot of people, when they think about a role model or a guidance, they always think it has to be their mom or their dad or a sibling or a family member. And it's so important to, that you stress that because a role model could be anybody, anybody out there that just looks out for you and wants the best for you. And in your case, was a counselor. Um, 
And like, for, for example, from my, my son, he's in college now, but he still doesn't know what he wants to do. You know, just like how you were and how I was. But it's so important for everybody to hear that, especially those who grows up in, who grew up in a broken family with a missing parent. It's so important for them to hear that, you know, it doesn't have to be somebody that's in your family. It could be anybody out there that has your best interest in mind. That's correct. And, you know, we can't assume that just because we've been here for almost 50 years now that there are, that we're all okay and that we all educated and, and uh, all, all, all kids are like our kids now, right? And, you know, because I work at the university and I've been there for you know, almost 20 years now. And every time students come to campus and st they're starting their educational uh, pathways or journey there, and you ask them out of the whole group, the 100 people who, sh the 100 kids that you see there, and you ask them, how many of you is this, you're going to be the first one to go to college? And you're, you, you're going to see that at least six or seven out of 10 raise their hand. I'm like, what? And it's been, we've been here for so long and you still, you still kids just, I still see kids just like me coming through college. So it's not that, okay, you know, we're done, you know, that generation is over now. So our kids are going to college. It's not, no, there's the community, uh, the community remains similar to what we used to be back in the eighties. And so the, the support needs to be there still for, for them. So you're correct. I mean, it, it's a, it's a never-ending cycle, I think. You, you'd have to be there. You have to be, be willing to provide that support. Right, right. That's true. Now, with um, that being said, let's just say, you know, for what you do as a profession now, let's just say my, me, myself, going to school, going, got out of high school, going to university or Fresno, I come to you as a counselor and, and it's like, hey, Pong, you know, I don't know where I want to head my direction. Where would you tell this monk kid? He doesn't know where he's heading to. What kind of advice would you give him? Well, definitely one of the things I would encourage uh, students to do is to do a career assessment. Uh, career assessment because sometimes what you're good at in school may not be what you, what you are loving to do. You know, some kids are really good at everything. So then they also have not have the struggle of like, what do I choose? I'm good in math. I'm good in English. I'm good in everything, science. And I don't know what to choose. Uh, so really, a career assessment is essential. I think most high schools offer that. If not, uh, most universities offer that for sure, uh, if, if not all for that. So I would say, you know, get a career assessment done because that will tell you what your strengths or what your values are. More importantly, for me, it's, it, it's talking to students is, is about their value because if they want to make a lot of money, well, when you make a lot of money, it doesn't mean, but you love being around people that might not, those things, those two things might not go together because you, you know, if you become a, uh, for example, a, uh, you, a kid will say, well, I want to be a millionaire, right? <laughs> Most kids must come to me. I say, hear that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I just want, what, whatever it is, I don't care. I just want to make a lot of money. And I goes, well, what, what does a lot of money mean to you? It's like, I want to make a million dollars a year. Okay. And then what do you want to do? Well, I want to be a teacher. <laughs> Those two things don't go together. You know, you won't make a million dollars being a teacher. Uh, so then we need to really go to the drawing board and say, <laughs> what are your values? Is your value really to make money or is your value really to help people? <laughs> because those two need to go together, right? Hand in hand. 
And, and sometimes it's really talking to the kids to understand what it means because sometimes they don't know what they want. They do know that they want to make money because, because then, you know, everything costs and if you I mean life, you have to pay for life. But sometimes when they discover what their true values are or their true love is, it might not be that they, they may be content not making that much money, but their life will be so enriched by it that they're, they're happy with it. So it's really finding that line. And, and, you know, unless you have a really deep conversation with a student, it's really hard to do to, to find out. It's important uh, to know that though. It's important to hear what you, you just said, you know, about defining your values and defining your career. What is your value? Because that really, at the end of the day, that is really what defines your true joy and your true happiness. Would you agree? Yes. Like I'll give you an example. I mean, I'll, I'll use my own kids as example because, you know, uh, no, they, they can't say anything about me. <laughs> so, like They're going to thank you later. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter graduated like just this past year. Her, this is her first year at Fresno State. And, you know, I'm super proud of her. She was a valedictorian of, of one of the top schools here in, in the city of uh, Clovis. And I told her, you know, she was so good in math. She was so good in English, right? She did all these APs and she was like, wow, you know, you're going to graduate a whole year ahead of everyone else when you go to college. And I asked her, typical mom, parents. <laughs> I, I swear that I, I told my wife, I will never be like my parents, but I'm just like them too. I, I will tell, I'll tell my, my daughter, well, you should consider being a physician because you're Oh no, <laughs> you went there. <laughs> yes, I did. I was like, Fong, don't ever do that. But you know, I can resist. I don't know. And then, you know, so my parents rubbed, I guess, uh, too long on me, but I told her, you know, you should consider becoming a, a, a doctor, uh, Grace, because you know you got all the you got all the skills to do it. You got the the talent, you got the smarts and everything. And you know, she said, well, no, I don't want to be a doctor. I first of all, I'm afraid of blood. <laughs> I can't be a doctor. <laughs> Two, I just want to help people, you know, and I I want to do something else. And she wants to do psychology, right? So I said, well, psychology. Do you know there's do you think there's going to be a lot of jobs for psychologists, you know, and you have to get at least, you know, eventually you're going to have to get a PhD in psychology if you want a good job. And she goes, yeah, I'll do that. But that's what I want to do. You know, I want to, I want to help people like that. I don't want to help people the other way. And, and yeah, you might not make as much money as a physician will make, but for her, that's what's driving her. And re she really, really loves that area. So, you know, so as parents, you have to, as, as a, the counselor has, I have to like bring the counselor back in me and say, okay, you know what? It is her inspiration. Her values are not there. She's not about making money or driving a nice car, having a big house. Her, va her value is to help people. And that's how she wants to help people. So, you know, you got to accept it and just gear them up, prepare them for that. It must be hard when to have the, uh, the, dad come out and when do we have the counselor come out when talking to your kids i gotta i gotta watch myself sometimes oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it seems like you're doing a great job <laughs> thank you i'm doing the best i can with uh that being said you know ryan is graduating and he's gonna be graduating pretty soon here in one year yeah he'll yeah. be done spring of 2021 or yeah already <laughs> so you're saying there's gonna be another song coming out 
no claims, no claims. Okay. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up too is you were part of a a translator for Google, am I right? Of uh, Microsoft, actually. Microsoft. Microsoft. Yes. And this back 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 about early 2010. Uh, mm -hmm. Did that come about? 2012, yes, and then, yeah, it's up and running. It's up and running. It's part of the Microsoft Translator. I mean, it's in there. If you use Bing, I mean, it's kind of like a translator for websites and things like that. It's a, uh, it's, it's available. What, what the most important thing that came out of that project is recognizing Hmong as a language, uh, and not as just a language, but as a supported language by a company such as Microsoft Word, I mean, Microsoft and Microsoft Research at that time. But now, because once the translation, a translator is built, then in Word document, you could do translation. So it's supported. Oh. Once it, yes. Once it's supported, it's one of the languages that you can translate back and forth from in any tools that Microsoft has. So, you know, I think that's one of the things I'm the most proud of. My wife was always tell, tells me, Fong, what did you ever go into linguistics for? <laughs> There's no job that so nice. for that. <laughs> and I could say, well, I helped build the first Hmong translator. <laughs> and now everybody can use it if they want to. I mean, it's no, by no means perfect because translation, I mean, machine translation is very, very challenging. And it's based on how many people use it and how many people actually improve it. But at least it's there. It's it's a starting point. It's not going to go away. It's gonna it's gonna exist until there's no more Microsoft. I want to say. Now, does it work? Have you ever used Google Translate? Mm, yeah, it came. It does came. It after, does yeah, it work the same way as that? Similar. It's similar. It's just like that. You can go online and you can just type some words and so forth, and it's the same thing. Uh, but but I want to say the Microsoft one did come come first. Okay. <laughs> it came on, it came on, I think, uh, uh, almost a year or year and a half before Google came out with us. I see. Well, I know where some of my kids to now. If they are ever wondering, like, Mom, la Luna mini kiana, little Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, either way, yeah. Well, thank you for that. Thank you so much for that. Why, how did the, uh, why did you feel it was important to have that? I know that preserving our mom language was important to you, but why was it started? Well, it, it started because of relationship. I think like most things in life, things start with relationship. The person who was at that time working with Microsoft Research was one of my former professors at Fresno State in the linguistics department. And he got picked up by Microsoft a couple of years prior and he became a researcher, researcher up in uh, Washington. And he contacted me one day and said, Fong, are you still studying? Are you still doing Hmong? Because my, when, I, when I went to linguistics, my area was Hmong, right? I, I want to study my language, which was very, uh, what was, was under a, a study at that time. And he said, you know, I'm looking for language that are at risk of being uh, extinct, which Hmong could be in the United States. I mean, it's live and well in other countries, but in the United States, Typically, when your kids stop learning a language, that's when you know that a language could go extinct, right? Because they don't speak, then their kids are not going to speak anymore. So it could, a language could go extinct in a particular part of the world, not necessarily the whole world, but just an area. So he said, well, you know, Hmong would be a great candidate for that. And I said, yes, 
why not? You should pick Mong because you and I, you know, we're, we're friends. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so, so he he talked to Microsoft Research, and then you know they invested quite a bit of money into the project, coming down to Fresno, doing the risk with me, and then, you know the whole getting people on board. We got a community. It was just it wasn't just me. I don't I don't want to take the credit for myself. It's it's actually it's a whole community because yes, I was there with the uh, researcher, but we brought on a whole team from Microsoft, and we also brought a, a whole community from the Hmong community to help like Hmong teachers, Hmong elders. You know, among educators from all around, uh, different areas to come and actually help uh, implement, uh, develop the uh, the translation, and then testing it and enhancing it. And so it took about a couple of years to get it done, but we got it done, and it was just to help from from everybody to make that happen. And I assume nowadays people are still using it, especially students. Yes, yes, it's being used. It's being used because there is. Uh, the Microsoft one is actually un unique in a way where you could actually put it on your website, any website that you visit, I think, and then you actually could translate the whole website into like Hmong if you wanted to, for example, or any other languages that you can actually do. It's, it's using their Bing, it's the Bing bar that they use, and you could switch between languages. So like a, lot, a lot of school districts use it because they put on their website, districts that have Hmong, a lot of Hmong parents, I want to say, and then you could flip between different languages. Oh, how awesome is that? Well, thank you and your team for bringing that forward. You're welcome. It was fun. I was, I was, I was telling my wife, you know, yeah, it made my whole master's. Uh, <laughs> it validates what I went into linguistics for. Just that one project. <laughs> now, do you and your wife speak a lot of Hmong at home or any, is it primarily English at home? It's, it's primarily English. I mean, yeah, I know that. I'm, I mean, linguistics and I'm trying to do Hmong preservation. <laughs> Look at me. I don't even use Hmong for my kids. It's, it's just so challenging. I think it's just not me, but I, I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you guys use Hmong, but my oh, kids. Yeah, my kids, it's hard because especially if you don't have parents living with you, then it's just really hard because it's so easy to fall back on the English part. I mean, yeah, I'm guilty of that. I am too. Hong, it is amazing what you have done as a pioneer and being a boy band and being part of the translator uh, for Microsoft. I look forward to seeing more projects coming out from you in the future. Yeah, let's, 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 let's see. <laughs> Anything hidden? We don't know. <laughs> a teaser maybe not, nothing not right as of right okay. now i mean you know, some music stuff that we'll, i'm working on but other than that in terms of like on the academic side i'm fully invested into being uh trying to get more kids into college and making sure that they they make it you know that's the most important thing right now is we got to build a future that's right I love it. Build our future. I think we don't say that enough to our kids. Build your future. <laughs> Social yes. media doesn't do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. You know, a few more questions is going to end this. But, Pong, what does it mean to be a Hmong man? To be a Hmong man. Wow. That's a million-dollar question that you There's asked. No right or wrong. Yep. No. <laughs> if I knew the, the answer... <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't, you know, I think whether it's Hmong man or, or other man, I think it's, I want to, maybe I'll answer it as what is it to be a man overall, I think, for, you know, and I think being a man is, um, you know, being, uh, 
it's I well, if you ask me that question back in the days when I was single, I think the answer would be different. But if you now now that I have kids, a family, I think it's uh, being a man is number one. You know, being a good father uh, and a good husband, uh, the best that you can be, uh, more than anything. I mean, nobody can be the best, but I think it's it's you have to try to be the best that you can be as an individual with the time that you have on this earth. And if you can do that, then I think that you, you would have answered the question, the million dollar question, because for everyone is just going to be different. Uh, but for me, it's just trying to be the best husband I can be, the best father I can be to my kids, uh, the best brother I could be to my, my siblings. Uh, so, and you know, uh, to whoever out there who sees me as their role model, it's for me not to disappoint them is to do everything in my power to make sure that I maintain, uh, you know, that consistency for them so that when things are not going well for them is that when they look at me, they go, well, you know, yeah, there's hope because, you know, there's people like Fong. And so that's the only thing I could tell you. I think that you know, there's, there's no million dollar answer, I guess, to this question. It's just a hard question. And, but it's going to be different from everyone. So for me, that, that is my answer. Yeah. Is that the legacy you want to leave, Pong? Is for you to have that kind of legacy where people remember you as someone who was caring, loving, great father, great human? Mm -hmm. I think that that's the one thing I want to leave. Not that I had a good job, not that uh, I did the Microsoft <laughs> translator because all of that people will forget eventually uh, but you know being the person I am for my family and for my community uh, you know I think that that's what I want to leave behind is is that you know people I want people to remember that you know he he did try his best to change uh, himself his family and his community and this is how he tried to do it you know, through all the little things that we talked about, through writing music, through doing some, you know, contributing back in terms of research to do a lot of community events. I mean, my wife and I, <laughs> our weekends are busier than our weekdays. And it's because we, we, we're so involved in the community, but we can't say no. It's hard to say no, because you're, when they reach out to you, like, just like you guys reach out to me, right? I mean, I don't, I don't want to say no, because it's, it doesn't really cost me anything to do this. I'm just sitting here, just talking to people, right? It's not like I have to go travel across the world to, to make this happen. Uh, so for me, little things like that are act of kindness, and I want people to just remember those things. We are humbled. Lastly, I wanted to ask you, Pong, is can you give an advice for the younger 16-year-old Pong uh, and this could relate to a younger generation and a younger, um, you know, give us a advice to yourself, to who, if, whether they're going to be 